Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with yet another episode, Boca Podcast episode, and I'm here with a new friend of mine, Ellie Colleen. Thank you so much, Ellie, for making time to come hang out with us to chat a little bit about Instagram today. Hey, it's so crazy being on this podcast because I've been such a longtime listener, and it's so cool to actually be talking to you in real life. Well, it's it's truly a privilege to have you on. I I get a certain amount of, I guess to borrow kind of a cliche term, joy from hearing that people are listening in, number one, and two, that it's benefiting their lives. Um, we we just actually released our 200th episode wow. today, and That's it's awesome. exciting to to see where the podcast has come from, and then, of course, ultimately, um, the way that, that it is fortunately is benefiting the photography industry in one way or another. It's humbling, it's exciting, it's encouraging. And it's kind oh, of my yeah. favorite little pet project when it comes to to running Photographer's Edit. It's a production of Photographer's Edit. And, and it's just, it's a, it certainly means of conversation uh, for me, but it's also ultimately a way to to hopefully add value to the industry. So anyway, thank you for, for sure. listening in and thank you ultimately to, for contributing today. We're going to get into some interesting conversation about Instagram and more specific, more specifically, the idea of mixing lifestyle photography into your photography account, your photography businesses account. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, But let's start actually with something that we normally do here at the podcast called the technique for time. I want to make sure that those listening in, if they only have a few minutes to listen, they, they walk away with something valuable. And in this case, I'm curious what it is that you do maybe on a weekly or even a daily basis that helps save you time as a photography business owner so you can have a life, so you can do more than just run a business. Yeah. So I think 2018 was definitely the year of outsourcing for me. I actually hired a part-time assistant to do the tasks that just kind of bog you down in your day-to-day workflow. She designs all of my clients' albums and I provide an engagement photo guest book with most of my wedding packages. So she designs all of those and then she blogs for me. So I use Pixie Set to deliver my clients' photos. And so I'll just favorite the ones I want her to blog and she'll resize them and post them. And that's just been super helpful because I was putting blogging on the back burner and she kind of picked that back up for me. And then just having her also package client gifts and send out their USBs when their their wedding images are done. It's just so helpful to have someone super part-time to work on those things. And she works mostly remote, so I can still get a lot of work done during the week. But um, yeah, that's been really helpful. That's huge. Well, and honestly, this could be a podcast episode in and of itself. So maybe we could do yeah. a, a round two if you're willing to at some point. We <laughs> yeah. can kind of get into this workflow because... First of all, the idea that a sole proprietor, a photographer would hire an assistant to help them with these types of tasks, I, I think it's, well, I don't think actually that it's something probably in the minds of most photographers, largely because mm-hmm. they probably don't even consider that, hey, you know what, this is something that even makes sense for my business, much less something that I can afford. Um, mm-hmm. So you said super part-time, so they're obviously not putting in a ton of, or this person's not putting yeah. in a ton of hours. How did you find them and go about hiring them? 
So I actually posted on Instagram that I was looking for a part-time office assistant. Okay. And I kind of wanted someone who wasn't in the photography world themselves. Someone just that was good at like being a, like a secretary or some kind of experience yeah. with that. So I had quite a few responses and most of these people were local to me in Fresno. And I kind of wanted that to be, you know, someone that I could actually meet with and talk with every once in a while. I didn't want it to be completely remote, but it's ended up to be most of the work that she's doing is remote. But yeah, I found her through Instagram. We interviewed and turned out we had a ton of mutual friends, which was cool, but she's been great. And she works another job also as a office assistant. And so for me, she works about, mm, I would say eight hours a week. So it's super part-time. I just have her as an independent contractor. Um, She's not like technically an employee, but I just pay her by the hour. And um, she understood when she was getting hired by me that it wasn't going to be like a career or a super, you know, well-paying job that she was going to be working 40 hours a week doing or anything. But she likes making a little extra money every week, and I love having the help. So oh, I great. can imagine. And you mentioned blogging. Does she write copy for your blogs as well? No, she doesn't yet. That would be awesome. But man, copy is is rough, and <laughs> it's. I usually end up asking my clients to write the copy for me. I'll have them tell me their favorite moments from their wedding day. Really? Or what was most memorable? Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like it's more personal to you know the couple rather than just saying this was the most beautiful wedding, like every time. (laughs) The same exact (laughs) phrases. I know. It happens over and over and over again on Instagram and social media in general, and then for blogs as well. But, you know, it's interesting too, that the challenge of being able to communicate articulately, to communicate in a way that hopefully resonates with, with viewers or readers or listeners or otherwise, but then also do it in a way, this is something that, that is a bit of a challenge for me because I'm not bad as a copywriter, especially when it comes to communicating concisely, but mm-hmm. and 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 you know using the correct grammar and so forth. But I also realize that the way that I communicate may be a little bit uptight. So while communicating well, also doing so in a way that feels relevant to 2018, <laughs> that's one of my bigger challenges too. So you said yeah. she's not writing this copy for you right now, but but maybe in the future? I mean, as you yeah. were able to kind of work out your workflow, you'll be able to effectively communicate that to her so that she can she can handle it for you? Yeah, that would be cool. Even if she was contacting whoever was being blogged that time and getting those key points from their wedding day on why it made it special rather than just it was pretty, but you know, maybe the sister of the bride was officiating the wedding and that was a special detail, you know, those types of things. Maybe she could gather that information and just have kind of a, an outline of what to say in a blog post. That'd be nice. Well, that's great. I, this is a great, I think, inspiration and encouragement and example for our listeners, because again, this is not something that most would probably even consider an option, but the idea of finding somebody that can help you with what seems like probably many times mundane tasks that still need to be accomplished for your business is a great, mm-hmm. great idea. It's certainly outsourcing doesn't have to just fall to editing. It can fall to a number right. of different tasks in your business yeah. and, and even your personal life. And I love that you're leveraging that idea in a big way. So kudos to you for that. Thanks for sharing. And then speaking yeah. of that technique for time, you're creating this this freedom for yourself. You're creating time for yourself by delegating to someone else. What do you like to do with free time when you've got it? Yeah. So recently, uh, me and my husband just bought a 1960s mid-century modern style home. 
And so we've been putting a lot of our free time into renovating and decorating. And we did everything from put in new hardwood floors to painting to uh, just a little bit of everything. Old houses need a lot of love, but it's yeah. worth it. I'm I'm honestly a bit jealous and I'm scrolling through your Instagram feed here. And if your aesthetic on Instagram is anything um, like what you're doing to your house, I'm going to have to come visit <laughs> at some point because it, it looks amazing. Yes. I bet you're taking a lot of inspiration from all over the place. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because a few of my friends have come over and they're like, wow, it's like being in your Instagram feed, being in your house. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's really cool, though. So what was the inspiration for or the motivation for buying a house like this? I mean, you're taking on, like you said, it needs a lot of love. You're taking on a big project. Yeah, I just love the character of it. Okay. Um, yeah, we were looking. We were living in a, a small home before, and um, I was looking for more space to to do. I do some boudoir photography as well, so I really wanted like a studio room as well as like a big dedicated office for myself. Yeah. Um, so we were looking for a new home, and I have just always been drawn to design in general, and um, as far as architecture goes and interior design everything. Uh, so I've always really liked mid-century kind of style. So I knew I wanted a house that was kind of a ranch mid-century modern style with lots of natural light and higher ceilings and just some of those quirks that go along with the mid-century style. That's cool. Well, good luck as you continue to work on it. And we're going to have to to see some more pictures as you continue to yeah. develop it out too. Your, your Instagram feed is beautiful. And of course, we're going to be talking about Instagram today. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. But for those listening in, uh, if you're curious, Ellie's Instagram feed, you can find it online at Ellie, E-L-L-I-E-K-O-L-E-E-N, Ellie Colleen, really just yeah. like it sounds. Of course, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about how you've developed your feed here in just a bit, and and frankly, a, a really wonderful following as well. But before we do that, let's. I want to get to know you a little bit better here. I'm curious, and this is actually a new question for our guests that I that I wanted to ask, and that is, how have you learned to be more centered or more present? As a photography business owner, I mean, we have so much to mm-hmm. keep up with. It's easy to just be on the go nonstop. I've honestly, I've found this about myself, particularly in the last, I don't know, six months or so. I've been working quite hard to develop photographers' edit and, of course, the mm-hmm. podcast and so forth. And it's just go, 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 go. It seems kind of all the time or most of the time. And I'm reminded of the importance of learning to just kind of sit and to be, to meditate or just be quiet, maybe listen to a little bit right. of music. How do you find is most effective for you to be most present or, or centered to kind of minimize the stress and, and maximize the peace, if you will? Yeah, definitely having a routine set during the day. And I've heard other people on your podcast mention this too, but I think it's just because it's so true. Um, I always start out my morning with some kind of a workout. Uh, then I make my coffee and then I kind of get settled in maybe get ready for the day. Yeah. That helps a lot yeah. um, t- to not just sit at your computer in your pajamas until three o'clock. And like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah. Although that can be fun sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there are days where that's necessary. Yeah. Uh, but I actually just got a Peloton bike. Have you heard of those? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard not to be tempted by one. Honestly, I mean, I, I'm a, first of all, I'm a huge fan of being active or working out. I've 
was an athlete in high school and, and into mm-hmm. college. And um, so when I see, you know, you constantly hear about these things, they've done a wonderful job of, of advertising and marketing yeah, these bikes. Yeah, their commercials have been great this, you know, during the holidays and stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's hard not to want one. But what's the experience been like for you? So I actually have been into cycling since I was little, um, okay. like real outdoor road bike, bicycling. Yeah. But uh, me and my dad have done tons of century rides together, which is like a hundred miles or more. Mm-hmm. We've ridden from Seattle to Portland a couple times. Wow. And yeah. So I've always loved cycling, but you know, weather's not always cooperative with outdoor cycling. And so um, I started going to indoor cycling places. And then uh, I was realizing that was getting kind of expensive going to those boutique indoor cycling places yes. like Soul Cycle and yeah. Cycle Bar and all those. And I do love going there every once in a while for the community aspect of it. But um, I got a Peloton bike recently and it's just been super nice to hop on at home and, you know, not have to drive there and back to do it or just, I've found that working out is huge for my mental health. Like I've gone like months in a row without working out. And I just find myself being like kind of a little bit more just on the dreary side. Mm -hmm. And then once I start working out again, I just, I feel better. You know, there's, there's something I'm not honestly a huge fan of, of kind of having to work out inside. I mean, I just, I got back from a workout this morning at the gym and so naturally I'm indoors, but there's Mm -hmm. something to consistency. And you're talking about how the weather's not always conducive to writing I think consistency and being active is probably the most important, maybe the most important element of even being active, of working out for the sake yeah. of both physical health and mental health, like you alluded to. And so at that easy access where you have literally no excuse um, <laughs> but to work out because it's right there. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay a membership fee. I think that's right. really, really great. And yeah. if I understand correctly, there are classes that you can log on to and, and follow yep. as you're writing, right? Yeah, you can also see, like, if you have friends that also have Peloton bikes, you can see how each other are doing, like, stats-wise, and can kind of have a little friendly competition That's going. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love I'm kind of competitive when it comes to, to cycling, so it helps me stay motivated to have that little competitive edge. That's really cool. Well, you know, I think for the busy entrepreneur, sole proprietor, photography business owner, having tools like that easily accessible. So like I said, it minimizes the excuse to stay active for all the benefits Mm -hmm. that come from being active, I think is a great thing. And so we'll we'll go ahead and link to Peloton in the show notes too, for those of you who are curious (laughs) and haven't actually seen an ad. Um, It's probably a rare case, but um, thanks for sharing that. (laughs) Talk to us about reading and and maybe the most impactful book that you've read, whether it's been a a self-help book or a business book or both. Yeah, I have a really hard time picking favorite anything, like even favorite color is hard for me. But I'll just talk about the book that I'm reading now currently that's been super impactful. Um, I'm going through a rebrand with my photography website and just my logo and kind of the look and feel. I'm kind of wanting to make it more in line with sort of the presence I've created on Instagram, Mm -hmm. but I'm reading Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Have you heard of that book? Absolutely. Huge, huge, huge fan. Amazing book. I love it. It's been so cool. It's a huge perspective shift for me, honestly. And when I read it, I was like, okay, why haven't I been doing this all along? Um, Talking about using your marketing to, to, well, actually using a storytelling framework to tap into your marketing. Yeah. I just think it's been 
a really different way to look at it. And it makes total sense. Um, especially since storytelling is like what we do as photographers, Yes, kind of, kind of ironic in itself, but yeah, it's been really cool. If I were to recommend any business book right now, that would likely be the one. Um, it yeah. is, it is extremely accessible. Like you're saying, it's very, they're very logical principles and almost obvious in a way that he shares mm-hmm. in that book, but the way that he packages it, it it's extremely, extremely compelling. And if yeah. you all haven't read this book yet, you've absolutely got to get it. It's available, I, I believe, both on audio and then, of course, also in the, the various book or I think even Kindle formats as well. So uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Building a Story Brand, Donald Miller. Can't recommend it enough. Zach Gray, a friend of mine, recommended it to me, and it was wonderfully impactful. And I highly recommend it to all our listeners. I actually, it was recommended to me by the designer who is doing my new website. And cool. so she recommends that all of her clients really develop their branding and marketing strategy through the storytelling framework. Um, and I think that's really cool for a designer to look at it that way instead of just being 100%. like, what colors do you like? Or, you know, what do you want your logo to look like? It's more than that. 100%. Yeah. It sounds like you found a really great designer if, if they're the one that's recommending the book to you. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Soul Twin Studio. They're awesome. They're based uh, out of the East Coast, I think. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. We can link to them in the show notes as well for those yeah. of you that are kind of curious. But let's talk a little bit about your photography business. We've, we've alluded to it a number of times at this point, but how long have you been in business as a photographer? And talk to us a little bit about how you got started. Yeah. So I mostly uh, shoot weddings or anything with love involved, engagement sessions, um, yeah. boudoir sessions, anything like that. That's my bread and butter. Most of my time is spent shooting or editing weddings, but actually grew up as a photographer's daughter. My dad is a photographer and he's How been, cool. yeah, he's been a commercial and fine art landscape photographer for about 40 years now. Wow. Yeah. So he's really amazing. If you want to look at his work, you can, it's Paul Mullins. Okay. Um, but yeah, he had just been, he's been such an inspiration for me because he's always done something that he's loved and you know, got paid for it, which is kind of cool. But I grew up with a camera always pointed in my face or, you know, laying on the table. So I'd pick it up and play around with it. Uh, So I've always had photography in my life. And then as soon as I graduated high school, he had offered to let me work for him. And so I worked for his commercial photography studio for a few years. And as I was working there, a few of my friends were starting to get to the age where they were getting married. And I was kind of like pushed into wedding photography because my friends are like, Oh, you know how to use a camera. I can shoot my wedding. Right. And yeah. this was, <laughs> this was back in 2010 uh, when there weren't as many wedding photographers as there were now. But so I started shooting weddings under his brand. And then after I had started booking quite a few, he had encouraged me like, why don't you just take this wedding photography side off on your own and start your own business. And that's kind of how it started. Wow. Okay. So I'm curious though, you mentioned Paul Mullins as his name. Does he, is he on Instagram by any chance? He doesn't have an Instagram, which I've really been trying to push him to do that, but (laughs) it was hard enough to like get him a Facebook page. So we'll see. I'll I'll keep working on him. Cool. Well, what is his website? And we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. So it's paulmullinsphoto.com. paulmullinsphoto.com. Perfect. Yeah, yeah we'll make sure to link to that and show notes for those of you who are curious. And and what a cool story to have if your dad is an inspiration. And I mean, for that matter, somebody that's actually been in the business for 
40 years. I just pulled his website up and my goodness, the work is <laughs> stunning. I mean, truly beautiful, beautiful work. So what an inspiration. And, and I appreciate you sharing that story. Talk to us a little bit about brand position though, because you're a wedding photographer. And as you mentioned, there are so many wedding photographers these yeah. days. The idea of setting yourself apart from at least your local competition, if not more, is really, really important. What is mm-hmm. your photography business's brand position? How do you set yourself apart from your local industry? Yeah, so I'm located in Fresno, California, which is right smack dab in the middle of California. So I'm a few hours from LA, a few hours from San Francisco, a few hours from the beach, and a couple hours from like Yosemite National Park. So there's lots of really cool places to shoot all around me. That Um, sounds yeah, idyllic, really. (laughs) And there's also a lot of competition, but uh, in Fresno itself, it's there, there's a really cool photographer community here. But I think just by uh, standing out in a, a way that I'm using my style and my love for design and also just my love for people, I, I strive to have kind of a stylist stylish edge that not that my clients necessarily have to have the coolest style themselves, but maybe it's something they appreciate or they value um, for themselves by hiring me. But I just love design in general. And I feel like that portrays into my photography for sure. Yeah. We're we're going to actually talk about that here and how you've incorporated that into your Instagram feed in, in just a bit. Uh, I mean, it's, it's very, very obvious and it's, I have to say it is beautifully, beautifully designed the consistency and the look and feel of, of Instagram, um, or of your Instagram account specifically is amazing. I mean, it's enviable, honestly, like the, the amount of thought and time that you have to put into that is, is, uh, I'm sure incredible, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) let's go just a little bit different direction though. I, I, I saw that picture, the portrait of your dad actually on his website uh, with a Hasselblad. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, do you have a favorite piece of gear that you've used? Maybe even when you were younger, because he's a photographer, you're seeing his gear, maybe that you even use now. What What's a favorite piece of gear in your camera bag these days? Yeah, I got to use that, that medium format Hasselblad. It was actually a digital, like it was 46 megapixels, yeah. I think. Yep. And now that's, you know, not that many, but <laughs> right. five, five to six years ago, that was crazy. But that was a really cool camera. We would use it every once in a while for weddings, but hardly ever because it's such like a studio camera more. But I, I shoot Nikon because my dad shoots Nikon. Yeah. So I just was kind of born into a Nikon family. But I've been using the D850 and loving it. Had to wait a while to get one because the wait list was so crazy long. But now that I have one, I love it. And I'm definitely a 50 millimeter fan. Yes. I heard someone on your photog- your podcast talk about the 58. And I've been really wanting to get that lens. And mm. she might have convinced me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the 35, 50, and 85 are always in my bag at all times. Uh, yeah. So those are my go-tos. Well, you know, at the end of the day, of course, Nikon, Canon, Sony, it, it really, if it, you can take beautiful images with all of them, but I, I have to say, and I think I've said it on the podcast probably multiple times at this point, the ergonomics, the layout of, of the buttons, uh, even the way that yes. the camera feels in hand, but the layout of the buttons in particular on Nikon, I think it's, it's just a better design for ease of use. It seems like yeah. you have to work a little bit harder with the Canon layout 
than you do with the Nikon layout. And and that may even hold true with their electronic menu as well, but at least with the buttons. It was yeah. I did shoot with Nikon for over 10 years. I love it. So naturally I'm probably biased, but I've I now <laughs> don't own any Nikon gear and I do have a Canon camera for shooting video content in particular. And mm-hmm. it's just not as user friendly. It's not as intuitive. So I'm a, I'll, I'll uh, join the Nikon club here with you and, and root <laughs> for it uh, for sure. Yeah. But uh, how do you how do you take I don't know as being a photography business owner how, for how many years now total? It's been nine years now. Nine years. Okay, so long yeah. enough that you've probably had experienced some ups and downs. What is the most difficult lesson that you've learned in the process. And again, the reason that I asked this question is ideally our listeners are able to take something away from this so they don't have to repeat maybe the same mistakes that, that you've uh, experienced or yeah. that you've made as a business owner. But what is one of the toughest lessons you've learned so far? Yeah. So I think one of the toughest lessons I have learned was just something that was so out of my comfort zone as a creative, but the whole business side Mm. uh, was a hard adjustment for me to learn because I mean, not only when you start a photography business, you have to learn how to use your camera and interact with your clients and edit and do all that stuff amazing, but you also still have to keep your books and do your taxes and all that. And so in 2015, I actually got audited and that was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. Um, I was pretty young. I think I, I was 25. And okay. so I was like getting at, getting audited by the IRS as a 25 year old. And <laughs> <laughs> I'd been keeping my books pretty well, but yeah. I, I actually got audited because of a mistake that my accountant made ah. that I didn't double check. Yeah. Uh, so that was just huge stress to the max for, you know, about six months while I was preparing for the audit. But I would say uh, the lesson that I learned from that was to hire a bookkeeper that does that for you. And so that's been another way I've outsourced in 2018 by hiring a a girl who does my books every, every month. So at the end of the year, it's super easy to send all that to my account and bam, it's done. Yeah. Well, you know, and even for those who don't either have the money currently to afford to pay a bookkeeper or, um, don't particularly, you know, that maybe they actually want to manage it on their own. I mean, ideally you're yeah. delegating and outsourcing as much as possible. So I'm a huge fan of, of this idea of hiring not only a bookkeeper, but an accountant. I love that you're doing that, but I, I've been audited a couple of times and it, at least the first time around, it was particularly stressful. But what I realized too, was the extreme benefit of being, I'm a little bit OCD when it comes to, to keeping my files and receipts. Mm-hmm. And that made it so much easier yeah. having being been organized with that information to be able to literally just share a folder. I mean, I've got endless folders. I use Evernote personally <laughs> for file storage and I've uh-huh. got endless folders uh, on my, in my Evernote account with receipts going all the way back to, let me, I'm, I'm actually going to look now as we're talking, I think <laughs> all the way back to 2004, if I remember correctly, um, wow. regardless it, that type of attention to detail, maybe it doesn't come naturally to everyone, but I would simply encourage everyone listening in. I mean, there is a possibility that you're going to get audited and it's not necessarily because, I mean, people hear audit and I think they maybe make this weird negative association with, you know, people that are doing something bad. It could just mm-hmm. happen e- even kind of randomly, if I understand yeah. correctly. Right. And, and the best thing 
possible when dealing with that scenario is to be prepared to have the information easily available, readily available. And you can do that simply by taking advantage of, first of all, yes, 100% a bookkeeper and an accountant. And it doesn't even necessarily cost that much to be able to hire those uh, the bookkeeper no. and the accountant to just occasionally do work for you. So I'd highly encourage that, number one. But two, take advantage of just really, really simple QuickBooks Online. If you're not using QuickBooks Online right now, those of you listening in, go ahead and sign up today. It doesn't cost, <laughs> but I think 30 or 40 bucks a month. And not only does it allow you to actively, proactively and consistently keep up your books, but you can also take pictures of those receipts. So now you have the receipts mm-hmm. to go along with the transactions that you're claiming and it'll just make dealing with scenarios like this, not to mention, of course, your taxes as, as easy as possible. Right. Yeah. I use QuickBooks too. And I don't know what I would do without it. I've used it since the beginning. And yeah, I don't know what photographers use if they don't use QuickBooks, really. Well, you know, I mean, it wasn't very long ago that I was still hearing, uh, in fact, a good photographer friend of mine, I won't mention her name on, on the air, <laughs> but I, I would give her, I think I even gave her a hard time about it, was still using spreadsheets to keep up with oh, wow. with accounting. And, you know, I mean, spreadsheets are extremely powerful in and of themselves, but when you have tools that are built specifically for the purpose of this accounting for a small business, why not yeah. use it? You know, there there are, yeah, at totally. this point in time, it's it's extremely low cost. You can have, you can hire an accountant to help you get it set up. Once you've got it set up, it's not difficult to maintain it. And that's the key. You spend, you know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes each week updating the information and we get to go. It's really not that complicated. So I I appreciate that reminder. And I think it's a good lesson for all of us just to remember to pay attention to the details to keep the records. Let's get into the topic though for today, which is a a pretty loaded one. We've talked about Instagram here on the podcast a, a number of times at this point, but Uh, This is an interesting kind of twist on the conversation, and it specifically has to do with using Instagram not just to display your work, the work um, that represents your clients, you as a wedding photographer, of course, sharing pictures of your wedding clients, but incorporating the idea of lifestyle into an Instagram feed. So we're going to dig into this a little bit, but Mm -hmm. first of all, tell us how long you've had your business on Instagram at this point. Yeah, so I've been using Instagram basically since it came out. I don't even remember when that was, probably 2008 or something like that. Uh, But I've always just had the same account uh, since then. And it's always become, or it's always been my personal account. And then it has kind of become my business account over the years. If you scroll back, I mean, you can scroll all the way back to 2010. I wouldn't recommend it, but <laughs> it's there. <laughs> it would be interesting uh, to see as a contrast to how just beautiful your feed is now to look at all the different stuff you were posting back then. <laughs> yeah, it was a little less consistent at the beginning, but I have really kept kind of the same aesthetic for about five years now or okay. maybe even a little bit more. But yeah, so I've just kind of slowly but surely built up the Instagram. There's hasn't been any huge surge of followers or anything at that amount of uh, the same amount of time. It's just been kind of like a slow but steady thing. But you you mentioned your followers. You've got, I think, over 12,000 followers right now. How did you build that significant of following? I think just by honestly providing some content that people are interested in and come back to look at multiple times, not just posting, you know, photos of other people's weddings, people that they might not know, but just adding value to people's lives in one way or another. Interesting. Okay. So first of all, as a photographer, and we've talked about this idea before in the podcast, but as a photographer and a so-called artist, there is a tendency, I think, at least in some cases to 
tend to share what you're interested in. You as the photographer are interested in, but you're talking about mm -hmm. focusing on adding value to others by offering them content that you think they'll be interested in. How do you gauge that? How do you know what, I mean, there's the obvious engagement and that somebody's liking your photo, but mm -hmm. are you going out and doing research so you can build on that? Yeah, you can actually see how many people have saved each of your posts with the insights on each post. Yeah. So that's really interesting because, you know, I might post a photo. I, I usually try to post about two lifestyle photos for every one business, you know, wedding photo that I post. So I mix it up, but I can see how many people have saved each individual photo and usually the ones that are of my home or of some place I traveled or, you know, some kind of inspiration. Those are the ones that get saved the most. Yeah, there is. It's interesting. There is a tendency, it seems, for people to like the photos that are more personal in nature. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's one yeah. thing to be able to post a, a pretty photo. And of course, people will like that as well. But it's funny, even in my own personal account, and I don't have a, a massive following personally, but even in my own personal account, there is a tendency, it seems, for people to engage more with the more personal posts, a picture of me, maybe with my kids right. or my girlfriend or, or otherwise, those more personal yeah. posts, people, people tend to engage with them more yeah. readily. And that's, I, I find that interesting, but it's, it's telling. And I think ultimately it should guide at least some of what we do on Instagram. And speaking of guiding what we do, I mean, I, I alluded to the fact that you've got this just absolutely stunning feed. It's very, very consistent. And I'm not a hundred percent convinced, honestly. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of talk in, and well, at least in conversations about marketing, about the importance of consistent, the consistency in your feed, the way that it looks, especially in the photography industry. I'm not 100% convinced of the significance of that yet, but I will say that yours is a beautiful example. I mean, it's, it's a feed that I actually want to look at and it feels, I guess it feels authentic and that you're not posting the exact same thing all mm -hmm. the time, but somehow you manage to keep this really consistent theme of, I mean, the, the whites and, and the darks, the contrast uh, mm -hmm. is very consistent. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really lovely to look at, but how did you come up with the theme? How did you come up with the look and feel? How did you go about developing that look for your Instagram feed? Yeah, it just became something that I, I don't even know, a long time ago, I started posting pictures and then I kind of developed like a color palette that I liked. And so I tried to stick within posting those, those colors. And I think it's just what I'm naturally drawn to anyways. So once I started creating the consistency, I kind of couldn't stop. And then it's just become a thing that I've been keeping up with for the past five years. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really like just natural neutral colors, whites, greens, and you know, some contrast, like not too light and airy, but not dark and moody either. It's just kind of in the middle. And a lot of the, the colors of the pictures that you'll see are colors you'll find in my home. And it's just kind of, I don't know, what I'm drawn to. Well, it's a good point that you make. It's not, you're not simply following a cliche of light and airy because the, and I mentioned the blacks earlier that they stick out because so much of the feed is, it centers around the lighter color that the whites really. And then mm -hmm. you, you throw this pop of contrast in there and it sets it off beautifully. Um, it's, it's really, truly beautifully done. And by the way, there, are, I'm, I'm, as I'm scrolling through here, I'm seeing what look like uh, pictures of your home, which is also just stunning too. I'm so envious, oh, but you. yeah, but <laughs> it, it really is a pretty feed and uh, you've done a beautiful job, I think of not only creating a theme, 
but doing so in a way that doesn't feel cliche, doesn't feel like you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, but it, it is there is an aesthetic that you've established that is yours. And I, I can imagine that your house probably looks very similar to this aesthetic as well. I mean, it's just, it's really, really nice. But talk to us a little bit about the idea of lifestyle. We've alluded to this multiple times in the conversation now, but if we're talking about a photographer's Instagram feed, you would assume that most of the content anyway is going to center around images that the photographers captured for their clients. They want to be able to share examples of their work. But in conversation leading up to our podcast, you were talking about the significance of incorporating content that isn't just your photography for the sake of drawing clients or potential clients ultimately back in to your right. feed for the sake of maybe capturing their business later on. But let's let's just kind of break apart this phrase lifestyle or lifestyle brand. And and I'd love to hear your perspective on what that actually means to you. Yeah, it's just, I think, humanity, just being a human and finding ways to relate to each other over, over anything, really. I think people connect with people. And so when someone goes to my account and they can see travel inspo or recipes that they might want to try or interior design tips or places, you know, that I've traveled to that people might want to go to themselves I think they just kind of grab onto that and maybe want to come back and look at it again later rather than just seeing a wedding photographer a wedding photographer's Instagram that is a bunch of pictures of people they don't know and while that might be inspirational for other photographers for a client who isn't a photographer um, they might just look at that and be like okay well maybe I'll follow them someday if I need a wedding photographer but if they're not looking for that at the time, maybe they just skip past it. But with with the lifestyle account, I think it just gives people a reason to follow me rather than just to see wedding photos. So when they do need a photographer someday, I'll be already present in their life. This is really good, though. And I don't know that I've really heard a photographer share this perspective or this this very specific perspective on utilization of Instagram. But it's interesting when we think about the feeds of probably most photographers, wedding or portrait or otherwise, they're really feeds that are probably more appealing to photographers, other photographers wanting to see photographers work than actual right. potential clients. Um, the mm-hmm. idea that, or, or I don't know, maybe a potential client is going to want to find you when they are lo- actually looking for a wedding photographer or a family portrait photographer or otherwise. But otherwise, like you're saying, they're 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 only interested in it for a time. And then they'll move mm-hmm. on. The idea mm-hmm. of creating a feed that would actually draw people in and continually do so, despite the fact that they are and are not looking for a photographer at the time, is a really interesting marketing strategy. And and for that reason, I'm well, I just have a lot of respect for you. I mean, it's again this this phrase lifestyle, lifestyle brand is is thrown around quite a bit these days. But the thing that you're doing is very consciously and proactively incorporating it into your feed for the sake of not only drawing potential clients in, but keeping them there. And then ultimately they're more apt to be a potential client or a client down the road. And it's a very strategic, uh, but a really intelligent way to go about using Instagram. My major props to you for that. And and let's make it really practical for our listeners too. And you've already alluded to, I think at least one or two of these, these ideas, but what are a few specific ways that you've incorporated this idea of lifestyle? And by the way, I love the fact that you, you said it, it's basically being human, like sharing the human side of you on your feed. <laughs> but how have you incorporated that into your Instagram feed for the sake of continuing to draw viewers back to your account? 
I travel or sharing travel inspo is a huge one. People ask me all the time if they're, you know, if in if they're traveling to LA or San Francisco or Portland, wherever they're going, they always ask me, Hey, do you know of any cool places to stay while I'm here? Because I personally share the places that I stay. So I think they assume that I might have recommendations for wherever they're going, which is cool. Like I just think it's awesome that they would think of me for those kinds of things. So I think it just helps me stick out in their mind as someone who's more than just a photographer, but, you know, maybe an inspiration for travel. Uh, and then also interior design. Uh, as I'm doing my own home, I'm sharing all the places that I've sourced decor and a lot of our do-it-yourself stuff that we've done to the house. Sharing that kind of stuff has been huge. And I think people associate me a lot with that. And then also share recipes sometimes or restaurants that I love. And then just style, fashion, favorite things, even stuff that I've found at Trader Joe's that I'm loving at the moment, all that kind of stuff. I think just having things that people can associate with you other than just photography is really cool. So, you know, if someone sees a mid-century modern home, they'll be like, oh my gosh, this house reminds me so much of you. And so that's just another way that you can pop up in their mind. And hopefully they'll want to hire you as their photographer if you're top of mind. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, you summed it up beautifully. I have to say too, we were talking about the consistency of the look and feel of your feed, the way that you've incorporated the lifestyle elements of your Instagram feed into or in with your professional photography for clients, it's seamless. I mean, as I'm scrolling through the feed, it's it's almost kind of hard to tell what is work that you've done for clients, and then you know what stuff that you shot just for the sake of of sharing lifestyle elements on your Instagram account, like almost like you shot it for a magazine or something. I mean, it's just very very beautifully done. But I, I like that you are incorporating these lifestyle elements that are that are relevant to probably most people in one form or another into the Instagram account. So again, wedding photography is only so relevant for so much time, even professional portrait photography, so relevant for so much time. But you've incorporated, you you listed four different things or four different ideas here. One was travel inspiration. Another was interior design. Another element is food, which we can all in some form or fashion relate (laughs) to. Um, You actually, there's a picture I've, I've got pulled up right now on your feed uh, it looks like you've got avocado toast. I'm a huge fan of avocado, by the way. So, oh yeah, who isn't in 2018, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Extremely healthy, <laughs> yummy. You can prep it in so many different ways. By the way, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but either you, Ellie, or those of you listening in, if you like avocado and you cook it all with coconut oil, try mixing the two and actually take Whoa. yeah. So slice avocado like you would for avocado toast, for example. And, and literally just fry it in a pan with coconut oil. And not for wow. the sake of having a heavy, heavy coating of the, the fried coconut oil, but enough to, to make it crispy. And so now you've Sounds got this. Amazing. Oh, it's incredible. You've got this crispy outside and then a really soft kind of creamy inside. It is really, really good. And now I need Sounds to go make delicious. some. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I think too, if, if you're not into posting that kind of stuff on your feed, you can even share it in stories because Instagram stories is such a huge part of Instagram now. I think maybe people even look at those more than they scroll in their feed Mm -hmm, these days. mm -hmm. So if you're incorporating that in your stories, that could be a way that you could maybe temporarily share some of your more lifestyle-y things without having to commit to, you know, a certain aesthetic because you can post on your story and it can be gone in 24 hours, but it's still a way to add value to your followers' lives. 
Yeah, well, and I like that idea of, again, adding value, this this notion that you're actually considering what they're interested in or what might actually be beneficial to them. The fourth thing that you mentioned earlier that you can incorporate into these lifestyle posts is style, fashion, or just things that you enjoy. And mm-hmm. it's funny how even just sharing, hey, I just picked up this this item the other day that worked really well for my house and it was only five bucks. You know, simple things yeah. like that, that can mm-hmm. actually be of value to somebody else because they may actually... It, they may find it helpful or valuable to their own life. I think it's really great. And and you're that focus of adding value. I mean, at the end of the day, as photography business owners, we are we are in the service industry in the sense that we are there to to take care of, to serve these clients with our photographs. And I love mm-hmm. that you've found a way to go even beyond that and still add value to the lives of your clients or potential clients with the content that you're putting in your Instagram feed. And I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And again, for those of you listening in, you're going to want to follow Ellie on Instagram. In fact, Ellie, will you go ahead and share with our listeners not only where they can find you on Instagram, but on Facebook and of course your website as well? Yeah, I'm Ellie Colleen on Instagram, E-L-L-I-E-K-O-L-E-E-N. And then my website is elliecolleenphotography.com. You can find me on Facebook, same way, Ellie Colleen Photography. And yeah, that's about it. Perfect. Well, I, I really appreciate you making time for the podcast today. We're going to make sure to link to those, of course, in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for sharing a bit of inspiration with us and uh, oh, what you've you. done to utilize or ultimately create a beautiful Instagram feed, which is beneficial to your clients as well. Yeah, I hope it's been helpful for all of your listeners. I really enjoyed being on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>